All right, so let's start in verse number 12 today, and we're going to read to verse number 18. We'll ask the Lord to help us and let us get what we need to get today. Amen. All right, verse number 12, James 1. Blessed is the man or the woman who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That's one of my favorite verses in the book of James. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. That's good, isn't it? And of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, we just need your help today. We need you to help to help us to hear what we need to hear today and help us to apply these truths to our heart. Uh, Lord, I just ask you to anoint me as I speak, anoint us as we hear and listen. Give us our bread today and we'll have enough to make it through whatever we got to make it through. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week we, we covered these four words and we're going to kind of build on, add four or five more words today. We covered these four words, trouble. We talked about trials and tests, and we're going to have trouble. It's not if trouble comes, it's when it comes, right? It's going to come to all of us. And then we looked at the word joy, and what did he say about our troubles? He said, count it, count it all joy. Why? Because we, we, we kind of see past what's happening. We, we see that our troubles are actually working for us, and God's going to do something that's going to be good on the end of this thing. So we, we learn to count differently. We count it joy. And then he says about patience, that thing we like to skip over and rush through. Get over that word, right? Patience. We don't like that word very much. Patience. He said, let patience, while you're going through all the trouble and stuff you're going through, let patience have its work with you. And when, you're, when patience is done, it will give you what you need. So that, that probably means that I may have a little bit of time in this trial, in this trouble, doesn't it? It may not just go away with, with the prayer. It may not just go away with just a, a passing of a thought. It may take a little time. Patience kind of involves some of that. And then he talked about having wisdom. In the middle of our troubles, we need to ask God for wisdom. We, we can't trust our own experiences. We can't trust always the voices in our life and the people around us. So we can go straight to the source. We can go straight to God and ask him for wisdom. Isn't that, isn't that a privilege? It's a wonderful privilege. Okay, so now, now I, want, I want to do something here. I want to kind of open this up. I want to draw this out to you. Kind of, let's see if I can pull this up right here. See if this, it'll be painless. Mm, maybe it will. See if I can. Can you see that? Come on. There we go. There we go. All right, so let, let's kind of draw this out a little bit. See if you can read this chicken scratch. All right. All right, so we've got a situation. Let's pull that pen up right there. We got a situation, right? Old boy said we got a situation. It's going to be some trouble, right? <laughs> that used to be a famous line by somebody, wasn't it? But we got a situation. All right, so, so it talks about a test or, or trial. Now, right in the middle of that test, 
There's going to be some other things that come up that, that are not good. And he's going to talk about that today. We just read some of it. We, he's talking about temptation, right? That in the middle of this test, there's going to come a temptation. So now God is working this end as a test. And then we have an adversary, an enemy, who's working this in the other direction. And what's going to make the difference in this situation is, is I've got a choice to make. Always. We always have choices to make. It's one of the dignities that God has given us. He's given us free will and the ability to choose. We, we, can choose. We, we can't just say the devil made me do it. We can't just say this and that and the other. God has dignified us with the ability to choose which path we will go down. Now, we'll be influenced in certain ways, and some of us may have some bad influences in our life, and some of us may have some bad, bad raisins where we didn't have all the nuts and bolts that we needed to make all the great choices. But guess who is always responsible for the choice? Me. Me. It's something we're losing in our society. We're blaming everybody. You know, we're blaming. We'll get to that in just a moment. So now, in this test, what God wants me to do is trust him, right? Trust him. Trust his word. That's, that's the whole message. If, if we could get an underlying tone of what the Bible's all about, God is saying throughout all the time, throughout, from creation all the way to new creation, God is saying, trust me, trust me, follow my commandments, do what I say, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Trust me, trust me. That's the overall message of the Bible is God paints a portrait for us to see who he is enough so that we can trust him. But right in the middle of this trust, the temptation, the tempter comes and he wants to throw in doubt, doesn't he? He brings doubt into the situation. In fact, what James has just said it. He said, when, when, you're, when you're asking for wisdom and you're asking God to help, he said, don't doubt, don't doubt. Because if you're doubting, you, you get that double-mindedness and you're, you're scattered and you're all over the place and you can't really solidify anything. And it says right there that the person who has that double-mindedness will not receive anything from God. Hmm. So we're trying to get single-minded. But the enemy keeps bringing this doubt and he throws all these what-ifs and all this kind of stuff into my mind. So what we want is, is to learn to trust and then we get trust, we get stronger faith. I think I would have done better with my finger right here. Stronger faith. That's where, that's where God wants us to be, stronger faith. And as we get stronger faith, we get closer to God. We get closer to Him, closer to Him. Now, what the enemy wants to do in the middle of all this doubt, James just said to us, he wants to bring in sin. Now, the temptation is not sin, but it is an opportunity to sin. He wants to bring in sin. So right in the middle of all this, we've got, all this, we've got this path. The Bible draws this picture a lot. Choose you today who you'll serve. As for me and my house, what Joshua say, say, we will serve the Lord. He, I lay before you life and death. Choose life and death. Choose life. Jesus said there's a straight way that's, that's good and there's a broad way. That there's all these choices that, that are given to us in the Bible. You can go this way or that way. But there's only two choices now. There's only two. A right one and everything else is what? And the wrong ones, Right? So right in the middle of all this choosing, the enemy wants me to sin. God wants me to trust. And what I need to do in the middle of all this choice is to ask God. That's what James is telling us. In the middle of all of this, Jesus would teach us to pray to, to be delivered from evil. To be delivered. Lord, I, I, I see that that's wrong. I, I don't see all of it, but I see enough of it to know that that, that may not be so good for me. I, I need you to help me deliver me because that thing's got a real strong draw to me. And sometimes our heart 
it says, and Jeremiah said, our hearts are deceptively wicked. Who can know it? And they lead it, our own hearts. You know, people say things like, well, just follow your heart. Well, that's a sheer plan for disaster. I can promise you. We follow God. We've, Jesus said, he didn't say follow your heart. He said, follow me. Isn't that what he said? All right. So, so that, that, that's, that's kind of what we just read and what we covered last week. That kind of gives a little, little synopsis of some of that. Let's get on back to our notes here. All right. So now, where are we? Let's get a word here. This idea of source. So James just told us about the source of temptation. He starts off this idea in verse 13. He says, I want you to know that the source of your temptation is never God. God does not tempt anybody with sin. Now, why would James say something like that? Why would he correct our thinking, say, hey, you know what? You're having some struggles right now, and you're sweating this one out, and you got some options to do some wrong stuff, and you know what's churning on the inside of you. I want you to understand that God does not use sin to make you a better Christian. Why would he say something like that? Because there are folks who blame God for their addictions, their struggles, their sin problems. And probably most of us in this room, including myself, have done that. Like, God, why did you bring this into my life? Why did you do this? Why did you allow me to go down this path? Why didn't you fix it? And we start playing that blame game. Don't we? We said it Wednesday night. We need, we need air to breathe. We need water to drink. We need food to eat. And we need somebody to blame. That's four of the things us humans need. We see that kind of panning out in the garden. That's what they did, wasn't it? Uh, the, the, you said the devil. Well, Adam said, yeah, just keep your elbows to yourself. Adam said, the woman you gave me made me do it. Mm-hmm. You don't you know to paraphrase that? Lord, everything was going real good. Me and the animals were getting along great. And you knocked me out and made me go to sleep. And I woke up and I was married. And this woman, she messed up everything. That's just in the Bible. I mean, I know this ain't not your story, but just keep looking at me. This, this woman messed up everything. And, and then the, he's like, well, maybe some of that might be kind of true. <laughs> she said, well, the devil made me do it, right? It's this blame thing that we always do. But here, here's something I found out. I found out that people who blame others for their problems never get over their problems. People that blame other people for their addictions or their, their failures never quite. Now, they may have a part to play in, but you are responsible for your choice and you are responsible for the direction of your life. No matter what options you've been handed, you are responsible for it. I'm responsible. And the only way to victory and the only way to freedom is to take responsibility for where you are. You can keep blaming your parents. You know, they used to be the talk show host thing. Remember that in the, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s? Everybody came on the set and they went to Dr. Phil and they went to Dr. Oz. They went to Dr. Whoever and they talked to all of them. And they always sat down and said, my mama and daddy were terrible. And that might have been true. But everybody blaming their parents. Everybody blaming the economy. Everybody blaming the president. Everybody blaming this and blaming that and pushing all the stuff off. Blaming something else. We have to take responsibility for where we are. All right. So, so it's not God. The tempter is not God. Here's, here's an, another option. 
Here's another option for the source of temptation is our adversary, our enemy. Our enemy that the scripture tells us is, is, a, is a threefold unholy trinity. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, right in the middle of all that, you see, see, that's the world. That's the world we live in. It's just not quite right. And it does not, it, 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 it finds itself at enmity with God all the time. It is an enemy of God. It's on the, a different course than what God wants all the time. The world and all of its systems and the way it thinks. The enemy, the devil, we, we know about him. We, we've studied about him. We, we've, we've, we've danced with him a little bit. We know about him. But who is this, the flesh? Who is that idea of the flesh? The enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Who's the flesh? Ha, that's me, isn't it? That, that's the parts of me that aren't quite right. That are, even war against our own self. Hmm. Our enemies study us like a book. They know our likes, our dislikes. They know what we, our family history. They know our, our character flaws, all those kind of things. Our insecurities and our enemy exploits our weaknesses. And he comes after us. All right. Now here, here's the, the idea of the flesh. Here, here's the other option for the enemy. If you take the word enemy and go into me, enemy into me, that you know who my biggest problem, you know who Ron's biggest problem is? It's not Sandy. It's not them kids. It's not money. It's not all the, you know who Ron's biggest problem is? Yeah, you can say it. Go ahead and say it. It's Ron. But you're not off to a good. You know who your biggest problem is? It's you. That's what James kind of comes at us, right? I am my biggest problem. I've got some issues with my life, and, and it's because I desire the wrong stuff. I focus on the wrong things. I pursue stuff that's not always good for me, and I get myself in trouble by my own choices. Old boy said, I fell into trouble. And old boy said, no, you didn't. He said, you didn't fall into nothing. He said, you dug that thing out with a spoon and you jumped in it. That's, that's most of our story. So we, we've got this source. It's not God, but there is an enemy who's trying to tempt us and draw us off course. And there's also some problems inside of me that I, I just don't quite think right. So it's hard for me to behave right. And I've got to, I've got to grapple with that. So now he starts talking about this, this strategy. This strategy of, of the flesh and how the enemy work together. He starts talking about this idea. He uses two words, and, and they're, they're fishing or hunting terms. He says that we, we fall into this trap. We fall into sin when we are drawn away or enticed. Hmm. So, so they're fishing terms. I, I got my tackle box. Thanks, Brother Paul, for bringing the tackle box this morning. So we, we got all this stuff. I put we, we got a deal, right? You, you know what we're talking about? <laughs> Let's see what we got. We got some little ones. Oh, oh gosh. You got to be careful how you grab these things, don't you? <laughs> Them hooks are they're sticky. They get you. I got these big old fat fingers, boy, they get in there. <laughs> so we, we, we got these, these fishing lures. These are, these are fishing terms. that you, you know what this is like. You know what you do. You, you, you use these things to draw fish away from that underneath that log, right? Or you draw them out from under that, that little grassy part or that, that little fishing hole wherever you're at. And my, my papa kind of knew where they were. Did, did anybody have a papa like that? They just kind of knew where they were. He, he'd, he'd look over a spot and we'd go to, you know, in Mississippi, we'd go to Sardis or Arkabutler or Enid Lake over there. We'd go fishing a lot. And he liked to crop the fish is what he liked to do. 
crappie and brim fish, and, and we use cane posts. We're just old school cane pole stuff. Anybody know about the cane pole stuff? That's good old old fishing right there. And and we, he loved it when the cane poles went. You know, they just kind of snatch them down. But he he would, he, he would look over a, a lake, and we'd be in a little boat, and we'd be going around. He said, "Boy, that looks like that's where they are right there." I, I can see it, you know. I miss him so much, good Lord. I, mean, I want to go. We're going to do that in heaven when I get there. We're going to fish in the crystal sea. We're going to see where they're at right there. <laughs> anyway. Now you lie. Screaming on TV. <laughs> this, this is true. Yeah, you can watch them, see them, can't you? He says this, this is the way it works. He's dealing with reality here. This is a strategy of the enemy that he knows how to draw us away and entice us. He knows how to do that. Now, here, here's something you know about these, these, these lures that he uses, this, the bait that he uses. See, like, like this, just, just some points. I, I was just kind of thinking about lures and thinking about what they are. You know what? They're not what they appear to be. What does this appear to be? Like a little small fish. Like a little shad or something. This appears like a little fish. but It appears to be that, but guess what? It's not. And so that's what temptation is. It, it appears to be good to us, but guess what? Mm-mm. Other thing I thought about it, it, it actually, for a moment, looks better than the real thing. This is actually enhanced by its designer. And I, I found that out that the enemy does that. He, he enhances the temptation, whatever that might be, whether it's spending money the wrong way or whether it's using all of our resources the wrong way or, or whether it's in, in the form of some kind of intimate desires or whether it's in the form of our thinking or our doubts or our fears and anxiety, what, whatever the temptation is in, in your ballpark, it, it, it actually looks better than the real thing. He's a master at that. It's for deception. And see, this, this thing is made, it's made a little shinier. It's made to distract, and they are made to entice, aren't they? See, that's the temptation part. That's that. So, so the fourth one, it, this appeals. Now, if you're a fish, now this, you, you wouldn't eat this. But if you're a fish, that looks pretty good. And guess what? He, he knows what looks pretty good to you. He knows exactly what you like. Hmm. It appears that's, that's that's the lust of the flesh. That's that's what kind of draws us in, and then then it's made to be so shiny and reflective. Uh, it, it it catches your eye. It just it's like you you just minding your own business. All of a sudden, and then boom, something swims by, and it's it's made to catch your eye. Right? That's a temptation is designed to catch your attention. That's what he says. Be aware right here. Don't be deceived now because it's out there. Be careful. It catches your eye. That, Calls the lust of the eyes. Is what one writer calls it. Hmm. And because this part catches your eye, guess what part you don't see? Mm-hmm. You didn't know there was a whole sermon series in the tackle box, did you? They, it really is. A lot of that stuff. You can about take anything and make a sermon out of it, can't you? Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't see the hooks and what are, what are the hooks? Well, that's the consequences. It's something that's going to snatch you out of the good world and put you in another kind of world, a world of hurt. You, you don't see the hooks. That's that's the consequences. So we we just see the good, the shiny. And I, I don't know why that, that song "Shiny" it keeps popping in my head. You know that little movie? <laughs> There's a Disney movie or something like that. So you. You think 
You think this is food, but what is it? It's bait. You, you think it's food, but, but it's really bait. See, you, you, think, you think that's good to eat, whatever that is. You, you think that's going to nurture you and answer whatever longing is on the inside of you. But what you find out when you bite into that thing that looks real sweet, by the time it gets to your belly, it's sour. And it's bait. He draws us away. Now think about that. What, tell me. You tell me. What's he drawing you away from? The real thing, whatever the real thing is, whatever the right thing is, he's drawing you away from that. What else? He's enticing you away from what? From God. He really don't even care how he gets you away from God. It can be for whatever reason. It can be just through discouragement. It can be just through good times. And, and maybe sometimes it'll be just through uh, maybe, maybe giving you what you want. He doesn't want you to draw close to God. He's drawing you away from everything that's right, everything that's holy, enticing us. So here, here, this is why we need Jesus. See, this thing swims by Jesus, and he says, oh, that's... Mm-mm. See, you, here, here's, here's what Je- Jesus... Jesus don't see the shining. Guess what Jesus sees? He sees them hooks. That's why, that's why when you're in this mess, you better ask for some wisdom because you ain't good at seeing hooks. You, you, you think, you know, a lot of people have forsaken their marriages and for whatever reason, sometimes another person. And when they get that other person they thought was the answer, they, they didn't see the hooks, did they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever it might be. You get the point, right? Here, catch this. <laughs> so, he baits us. He baits us. So there's a progression. Did you see the progression when we read? Let me put those down for I hook myself. <laughs> the progression is this. This is where the parts of me that they're not right, wrong desires. See, that's why I need to spend time with God. That's why I pray things like, not my will, but yours be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That Jesus taught us to pray things like that because he knows that, see, will and desire is kind of the same kind of term, terminology. Jesus knows that our desires, what we want, what we think we want, what we think will satisfy us and fulfill us, are not quite right. So we've got to get in this thing where God begins to correct our desires. He begins to give us wisdom from on high but so we don't just go for wisdom down here. That's why we need to study the Word. That's why we need it. We need to help get our head on straight. We need the Scriptures to reprogram our minds, renew our minds is what Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We need to get a new way of thinking because our desires are off track. And you can't get a good result from a wrong desire. The progression, wrong desire, that's what's inside of me. I'm drawn away and enticed. The appeal is made. And then desire, once I take the bait, after much thought, much churning, much going over this, I make a bad decision and that desire is conceived. And when that desire is conceived, 
the child that is born is called sin. You see what I'm talking about? And sin is born from this unholy union. And sin always brings what? Death. The consequences are always far worse than you thought. Anybody know about that? I know about it. Hmm. So, that's the progression. That, that's, that's the reality we're living in. You want to know why our world's in, 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 in a messed up place? It's because you get so many people, communities, even nations going in that direction. It's not good. So he says this. Do not be deceived. Say that with me. Do not be deceived. This whole idea of deception. Verse number 16. Do not be deceived. Well, how am I not going to be deceived? He, 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 he reads me like a book. He plays me like a fiddle, they say. You know, he, he knows me. How can I not be deceived? Well, we're going to peel back again to God. We're going to ask God for wisdom because, see, Jesus sees the hooks. And if I can ask him for wisdom, he'll say, he may not even give me the whole layout of it, but he said, no, 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 no. You, you don't need to go that way. That's the only hope I have of not being deceived is to make my appeal to God and ask him for help. That's the only hope you have. You are not a match for your adversary. You are not. Remember, we, we were talking about the adversary. He, he talked our parents out of the garden. He talked our parents out of paradise. You don't think he can't talk you out of your house? You better watch it. He's a master of deceit and a master of disguise. So this idea of deceit, it's, it's do not be led astray. Do not be tricked. Don't be naive to all this. Don't be played a fool. You see, do not be deceived. Now, I, I want to read a little short thing. A friend showed me this this past week, actually. I, was, I told him what I was preaching on, and he, he brought up this idea. And I, I'd never heard of this. It's, it's, it's Actually, I'm going to read you a book. It's, it's a five-chapter book. I'm about to read it to you right now. Okay, it's, it's called An Autobiography in Five Short Chapters by Portia Nelson. I, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't even know who she is, but this is just very clever, very good. Okay, Here, Here's chapter one. See if, this, see if you can't relate. Chapter one of this autobiography. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me ever, forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I, pre I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. You tracking with me? Chapter five is real good. Chapter five. I walk down another street. Now, now you're getting it. 
You see what I'm talking about? Isn't that, isn't that clever? I, just, I love that idea. So you read a book at church today. That's what you can tell everybody. I read a book, five whole chapters. I just need to draw some pictures. That's all I needed, wasn't it? So, so here's, here's the other street that he wants us to learn to walk down. James, in verse 17, he said, there's another street to walk down rather than that old temptation row. There's another street. He said, here, here it is. I want you to walk down this in your mind. Realize this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He said, instead of letting your mind roam down all that temptation street, going in the wrong direction, following the wrong desires, I want to bring your focus back to God. And I want to bring it back to God correctly. I want, I want to draw your attention and I want you to realize that God has been very, very good to you. That every good and every perfect gift that's in your life, every wonderful thing that's in your life, from, from the, the food that's on your table to the people you get to share your life with, to all the, the material blessings and all the, the peace of mind and all the salvation, all the things you have that are wonderful gifts, the wonderful people around you, every good and perfect gift. He said, get your eyes off of that lure and stop looking at them hooks and look up. Your gift is from God and your life is a gift from God. Everything that you have. See, that's a different way to focus your life, isn't it? See, that's a different street to walk down now. And I become thankful. I don't just see these blessings, but now I become thankful for these blessings. I'm looking around now. And, 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 and I'm singing that old song now. Count your blessings and name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings. Y'all don't know this? Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. You know what I'm talking about? Remember that? Hmm. So now I become more thankful. And you know, a more thankful person. I, I, I don't know. If, if, there's a, if there was a switch I could flip off inside of you. One of the switches I would find is that gratitude thing. I would flip that thing on because when you become ungrateful, you become unsettled, you begin to search, and you will start drinking out of mud holes rather than out of the fountain of living water. You know that? I promise you. And when I see God, I stop longing for those things because I realize God has either blessed me already with what I need or I trust that he will bless me with what I need. You see? I stop looking at all this stuff around here. And I realize, I look above. You get the, get the point? And I realize something about God. Is that He's going to be faithful to me. Because that, that's who He is. And when I see Him being faithful to me, that is actually the foundation for me to be faithful to Him. He, he says it like this about God's faithfulness. God cannot change. What, what, what is it? Let's go back to the, the verse. Let me go back over here to my... What, what is it? Verse... Number 17, 18, 17. It all comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no variation. God doesn't change. You know, there's no shadow of turning. I mean, I'm just thinking from, from a like Memphis point of view. There's no shadow of turning. You know what comes to my mind? I'm from Memphis now. That God ain't shady. That's just street talk. God ain't shady. He, he tells you how it is. He shoots straight with you. 
He doesn't deceive. He doesn't turn. He doesn't twist. You can count on him. He's faithful. He, 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 he's, what, what does it say? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, it, it's, it's in comparison, really, to all these other gods that people come up with and they invent in their own minds. These gods are moody and they're all over the map and you never quite know what they're going to do. And In some religions, you don't even know if you're saved. You don't even know if you're in right standing with God until you die and then he'll either kick you into hell or let you into heaven. God's not like that. God, God doesn't change. He, he is the same for us. He's, he's consistent. And you can bank on it. And if He makes a promise to you, His word will not return to Him void. You see? That's what He's talking about. So there, there's something about the focus here. That keeping God's goodness in the forefront of my thoughts helps me from being deceived. You see what I'm talking about? Hmm. Wrap it up with this. We're going, let's, let's go back to where we started. Verse number 12. Here's where we want to be. This is how he started off this, this whole little run right here from 12 to 18. Verse number 12. Here's what we want. Here's how we want to live. Blessed is the man or the woman who endures temptation. Hmm. So, we, so we want to be on the blessed path for sure, don't we? we? We want to be blessed. But what's the alternative to being blessed? What's the other Bible word that's used in conjunction to being blessed or the opposite? Curse. Curse. We certainly don't want that. Right? So there's a blessing if you endure temptation. Now, what do you hear when you hear the word endure? What do you hear? You, you keep going. You, you, keep, you, you keep fighting. You, you keep resisting. You keep pushing through it. You, you don't give in and you don't give up, right? That's, that's endurance. And what, what is endurance going to cost you a little bit? Endurance might get a little painful sometimes, doesn't it? Isn't that some, some truth about that? But, but we've got to endure. The blessing is for those who endure. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. That there's a reward at the end of this thing. And James calls it the crown of life. You see what he's doing? The comparison? Sin brings forth death. You see the comparison? But if you endure, trust God, keep fighting, keep trusting life. You see what I'm talking about? So resist whatever you got to resist, embrace whatever you got to embrace. But endure the temptation. Somebody said, whatever I don't overcome, I'm going to outlive. <laughs> and this is where we need Jesus now. We need Jesus in all of this. There ain't no doubt about it. You know who is the only one to fully endure? It's him. He, he fully endured from beginning to it is finished. That's why we need him to help us. Come on, let's ask him. Ah, Lord, we need your help. We, we want to find that blessed path, Lord, but sometimes by the time we get this kind of information, it, we, we've already got such a mess on our hands. It's quite an ordeal. All this trouble and all this temptation, Lord, it's just reality. 
we sometimes don't even like it, but it's just, it's just the real stuff of life. So I pray for each one in the sound of my voice, Lord, that you would just help us. We're all in this battle. We've all had battles from the past, and we've got more to, to face. I pray you would put something inside of us, a wisdom and a stamina and a fight to help us overcome and endure. And Jesus, you've already beat him. You've already beat the world, you beat the flesh, you beat the devil. And you are the victor and Lord of all. So we ask for you to give us the same kind of wisdom that you had when you overcame, when you won. I guess it's first thing we need to say is forgive us, Lord. We, we oftentimes find ourselves on the wrong side of this equation. But Lord, even when you forgive us, it's coming again. Make us strong. The world's not going to change. The devil's not going to quit. So the only alternative we have, Lord, is to become strong. Strong in our faith, strong in our trust. And get our desires pointed in the right direction. And that sounds like your work, Lord. We're going to partner with you, but we're going to trust you to help us. Bless your people today, I pray. Strengthen us in this fight. 